Thank you. If you're uh, new to Sundridge, my name's Britt. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, I assume you're in church uh, because it's Mother's Day. Some of you got drug along with your mom. You asked her, what do you want for Mother's Day? And she said, I want you to come to church. So here you are. Good for you. You're on the program. You're doing the right thing. So uh, if that's you, I, ho- I hope I can help you today. I'm going to put a picture up on the screen. And I want to ask you, do you know this person? You know that person? Anybody recognize her? That's Superwoman. You know, Superwoman is a myth. Uh, Superwoman started in the comic books, right? And uh, so I know that you guys don't really believe in Superwoman or any of her derivatives, Super uh, Mom or Wonder Woman. There's, there's so many uh, different versions of that, but she is a myth. Some of you, even though you don't believe in Superwoman, you've been trying to be Superwoman or super mom or super wife, and all you really are is super tired. (laughs) So I get it, and I'm hoping that I can help you today. We're starting a brand new series. We're calling Lies We Believe. Lies We Believe. You know, it's funny, not ha-ha funny, but one of the first stories in the Bible is about deception and uh, proposing that God is different than he is or our situation is different than it is. It seems that since the beginning of time, human beings have been vulnerable to lies about God, about ourselves, about others, about the way life should be lived. I don't know about you, but I think the best way to refute a lie is with the truth. So uh, that's what we're going to be doing in this series. I love what the Apostle Paul said in his second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 10, verse 5. He says, we demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take every captive thought to make it obedient to Christ. In other words, Paul is saying that there are things that our human nature believes are things that are proposed to us, and yet it can be refuted with the truth that Jesus Christ brings. And that's what we want to do in this series. You know, next week... uh, my title is, is um, Marriage Was Made for Your Happiness. Now, that's really the title. So, and I know some of you cynics are like, oh, yeah, that's not, I know that's, that's not true. And yet, uh, some of you, uh, you're incredulous with that statement. And wherever you're coming from, I hope you come back. But today, we're going to deal with a lie that we frequently believe that superwoman is real especially moms. Moms seem uh, especially vulnerable to this lie, not because you're somehow more susceptible, but for all the good reasons that you want to be the best mom that you could possibly be. And so that creates a heavy load on you. Uh, Rebecca Hargraves has written a book by this title, Lies Moms Believe or Mothers Believe, And there are 32 chapters in it, 32 lies that you believe. That's a lot. So it's prevalent. Uh, So today I want to talk to those of you that are moms about that lie and those of us who are surrounded by our moms or we're around our moms. We want to talk about the lie that superwoman is real. And really that lie has 
uh, five derivatives, five accompanying lies that go with it. And that's what we're going to look at. And these are in your notes. Your first one is lie one. Motherhood is the highest calling a woman has. Motherhood is the highest, call, is the highest calling, calling a woman could have. You know, we seem to toggle back and forth in a toxic way between the two extremes of this uh, philosophy. One is, you know, uh, sometimes we say, well, I'm just a mom, which diminishes that role. And, you know, part, part of that goes back to 25 years ago when that role was diminished, uh, in, in some cases unintentionally, but in the end, it just kind of made some moms feel like being a mother was like second best. And on the other hand, there's like this whole philosophy that there's no higher calling in life for a woman than to be a mother, and it's filled with all these hyperbolic expectations of you to be superwoman. There's no doubt that being a mom is a very important role for many women, women. but um, there are some problems associated with believing that it's the highest calling a woman could have. Number one, it diminishes the value of every other person in the world. See, it leaves us, if you're not a mom, it makes you feel less than. And that, that can't be true. A believing that motherhood is the highest calling you could ever have puts you on a track of guaranteed disappointment because if you don't end up with a perfect child, you're going to feel like you failed. Believing that motherhood is the highest calling a woman could have can lead to idol worship. Oh, I know you don't bow down and worship your children, but maybe you've said things like this, my kids are my life, with all the right intentions. Or maybe you've said, I would sacrifice anything for my kids. And perhaps you would, and I know that there's very good meaning in that. But it can also mean, and I've seen it, it can mean I would sacrifice my marriage or my own spiritual life. And truly, thinking that motherhood is the highest calling a woman could have could make you miss the truly highest calling you have. So let's refute that lie with the truth. Here's the truth. Our highest calling is to follow Jesus. The highest calling any person has is to follow Jesus. We are disciples first. Remember Jesus in Mark 1.17 said, Come and follow me. Come follow me. This is the calling of God on his children. And you know, following that calling, of following after Jesus as your highest calling, will make you the best mom you could ever be. You see, we're to be a disciple of Jesus first, and then disciple others, including our children. But that can't happen unless you're first a follower. That's why Jesus said to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you truly, mom or not. To put Jesus Christ at the center of your life and following him with all of your heart will position you to be the best mom or the best 
whatever you are in this moment. See, God has a unique plan for each one, each one of us. And the only way we can discover that or experience it is to follow Jesus and to look at our life through that lens. Second lie. It's selfish to have me time. It's selfish to have me time. See, mom life is exhausting, isn't it? You have, uh, if you have toddlers, they're constantly pulling at your legs and you're dragging them around, not in the fun way dad gets to. They're just attached to you all day. And you can't even find a private moment in the restroom because there's little fingers coming under the door. <laughs> I, I don't mean to be crass, but Someone uh, this past week was just asking me, why is it that God made us so that we have to use the restroom? <laughs> why couldn't he just like made, you know, like this perfect recycling program, you know, where everything's zeroed out? And I proposed that it's so that we could all get some peace and quiet while we're parents. <laughs> so, um, but I don't think that that's why it turned out like that. So I want to read a lengthy passage of scripture uh, so just bear with me. I'm going to put it up here because um, even Jesus had me time. And I want you to see this. And it's in Matthew uh, Gospel, chapter 14, verse 13. The crowds followed him on foot from the towns. And when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. And as evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place and it's getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. And Jesus replied, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish. Coming back to you, remember this story? Um, Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and the two fish. And looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. And then he gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the people. And they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces that were left over. And the number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. And immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. How many of you have heard of that story before, the feeding of the 5,000? Okay, I have another version of it for you. I just want you to track with me here. And what we're going to do is we're going to replace Jesus with mom (laughs) and some of the other words with some of the people in your life and just see if it doesn't resonate with you. Matthew 14, 13, according to Brit. (laughs) The kids followed her on foot from the towns, and when mom landed and saw a large crowd, she had compassion on them and healed their (laughs) boo-boos. As evening approached, dad came to her and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. She replied, "Uh, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. Does that sound like a discussion in your house? (laughs) We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish. And you know, after I inserted these notes, I thought I should have said five hot pockets and two yogurt sticks, but (laughs) just pretend like that's in there. And he answered, bring them here to me, she said. And she directed the kids to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, she gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then she gave them to dad, and dad gave them to the kids. And they all ate, were satisfied, and the kids picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces. Okay, that's really stretching it, that the kids would pick up after themselves. Verse 21, the number of those who ate was about 5,000 kids from the neighborhood. 
and immediately she made the whole family get into the van to get frozen yogurt while she dismissed the neighborhood kids. Okay, yeah. So some of your mom's like, man, I never was impressed by that feeding of the 5,000. I do that constantly. So, look, I'm not trying to be irreverent here, but I'm trying to connect you to something that's happening. You're familiar with this miracle. Um, people come to Jesus because they're hungry. Nobody knows what to do. Uh, given their situation, Jesus maximizes the resources. He feeds the people, and he takes care of the leftovers. But what you might not remember about this story is what happens in verse 23 right after. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray, and when evening came, he was there alone. You know, this is the only part moms don't get. Time alone. But you need it. Jesus needed it, and he was a son of God. He went, he was alone to pray or take a nap. But he had alone time. And the truth is, you can't do everything for everybody. So here's the truth that refutes this lie. You cannot constantly give out without taking time to be filled up. Cannot constantly give out without taking time to give out. And you know, this applies no matter how busy you are. In fact, the busier you are, the more necessary it is for you to get some me time. You know, there are 10 commandments in the Old Testament, and one of them is to keep the Sabbath, which is the day of rest. And I've said here before, it's the longest commandment. When God inspired those words, he used 97 words in translating that to us. As if we really needed to hear it, like this would be one we would ignore, so he spent a little more time on it. We need our me time. And there's always stuff to do. Do you remember the story of Mary and Martha? Jesus is there, and Martha's running around, exhausting herself. It wasn't that things didn't need to get done. But Jesus called Mary out and said that she has chosen the better thing. She took some time with Jesus. You know what happens when you are constantly pouring out and nobody's pouring in, right? You end up empty. And if you end up empty, who can you serve? You'll just implode. Some of you have done so or you're right on the edge of implosion because you've been giving and giving and giving. And for all the right reasons, you've been ignoring yourself. I'm here to tell you that you need your me time. And I know it might just be that you close the bathroom door and let the little fingers appear. It might mean that there's a lot of stuff to do when the kids are all down but you need a nap. You say, I don't have time to read passages of Scripture over and over again. Let me just make a simple recommendation. There's a free app called YouVersion. How many of you have YouVersion on your phones, your smartphones? Okay. There are a million app, uh, uh, plans in there to read that, that could take like five minutes a day. 
Just put your, make sure you're feeding your soul because you need your me time. And by the way, husbands, friends, family, we need to step up our game too. One of the things I learned early with a couple of toddlers at home is when I got home from work, I wasn't done. Guys, you're not done. You're just rolling up to your next job, which means you're going to give mom a break. And I think I've told you guys before that there were times when I was a super busy high school pastor doing God's work, exhausting myself for the sake of Christ. And when I came to that front door, my wife knew I was, I was there, and she would meet me with two toddlers under her arms and say, they're all yours. We had one car, and she'd get in the car and go somewhere. I don't know where she went, <laughs> but it was away, and that was good. Lie three, kids come with a guarantee. Kids come with a guarantee. If you believe this lie, then you believe this, that if I'm a perfect parent, I'll create perfect kids. And corresponding lie is, if my kids aren't perfect, then I'm a failure. Newsflash, there are no perfect parents including you, including me. Actually, the only perfect parents in the world are people without kids yet. Have you noticed that? <laughs> and then the close runner-up is uh, our parents with very small children that you can just, like, rule over, you know. But beyond that, your expertise uh, is severely challenged. And this idea that kids can come with a guarantee is a, a lot of that philosophy or thought comes from pastors and churches who have misrepresented the scripture, things like in Proverbs, uh, where it says if you train up a child in the way he'll go, and when he's old he'll not depart from it. Those, those are general statements from Proverbs. They're not a direct promise to promise. And that has just put so many moms and dads under so much guilt, and it's, it's just... Not true. The truth is that children have a free will. Children have free will. There's a doctrine. If you study theology, it's called the doctrine of free will. And it applies to all people. And believe it or not, your kids are people. The doctrine of free will says that God pursues us. The Holy Spirit calls us. But it's up to us to respond to that. That is the free will of human beings. And God doesn't tinker with it. We are daily choosing whether we'll choose Christ initially or whether we'll choose to follow him with our lives. The Spirit calls us and nudges us, but it still remains our free choice. This is true even of salvation. In John's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 36, Jesus said, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever believes, whoever, whoever will answer the call that the Spirit places on them. In 1 Corinthians 3, Paul says this, I plant, Apollos watered, another preacher of that time, an evangelist, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. It's like we are nurturers we are gardeners of our children but in the end it's between them and God the lives that they choose 
See, parenting, it's not like a cake recipe where you just line it all out, you get all the right ingredients, you follow the instructions to a T, and you'll have the right cake every time. That's how a cake works. And if you, if you're, if you have poor results, it can be traced back to a mistake that we made in baking the cake or, or, or following the recipe. But human beings aren't cakes. They come with free will. That's not to say that we don't have a responsibility to nurture our children, to hold them accountable, to guide them. And, you know, uh, you are probably like us. It's like no kid comes with a manual. They're all so different. We read so many books about parenting, uh, talked to as many people as we could, got as much advice, went to parenting classes. We were constantly trying to improve our parenting skills. But let's not forget this. Let's not forget that Adam and Eve were created in a perfect environment with the perfect parent, God the Father, who daily fellowshiped with them and walked in the garden with them. And yet, they went south. So the idea that if we're just perfect, which is impossible, we would have perfect kids. It's just not true. Our kids have free will. And if you've been living under a load of guilt or regret, I mean, we've all made mistakes. And yet our children, especially as they grow older, they have free will and they can choose God regardless of the mistakes that we've given them. So if you have a wayward child, get out from underneath the load of guilt, seek advice, pray, read books, engage with them, let God use you when he, when he gives you the opportunity, but in the end, they will have to choose because they have free will. Lie number four, life is passing me by. Life is passing me by. You know, we've already mentioned how exhausting the mom life can be. But sometimes it can feel, you can feel really isolated because you're sacrificing so much so that you can propel your kids into uh, the best life that they could possibly have. You know, it was just a couple of years ago that my youngest daughter was finally married, and so I was done with college and weddings, and uh, I got a big raise, you know. <laughs> when we, we redid our kitchen counters, and our kids said, like, where are you getting all this money, Mom and Dad? And we're like, we're not spending it on you anymore. We've been spending it on you for 15 years. So, uh, but they bought their first house, and I was up there painting, as dads do for their children. And I started crying. I was, Christmas music was on. That shouldn't make you cry. It was Christmas time, and I was painting in a house, and it just dawned on me of, like, that all three of our girls had, they had all the tools that they needed to succeed. And I thought about all the sacrifice that we put into that, and I, I was just so grateful to God that they had the tools, and that I was done with that program, too. Um, when you're doing that, it just feels like you're, you're falling behind. I remember the first, we were the first of our friends to have a baby. 
And so we were living that childless life right up to the certain point. And then, and then all of a sudden we had a baby. So we weren't available to do things. Hey, we're going to the movies. You want to go at 9 o'clock at night on Friday night? Uh, no. We have a kid. And that lasted about 30 years. You know? So <laughs> be encouraged. Here's the truth, whether or not life is passing you by. The truth is that every season of life has opportunities to make a difference. Every season of life has opportunities to make a difference. You just have to look at, the, at what God is bringing you and accept it and be willing to prioritize. That's why Paul wrote that we're to make the most of every opportunity. Um, whatever you think today is, if it has pain in it, if it has exhaustion, if, it has, uh, if you feel like you're in a place where you're just giving and you're kind of in a hole, um, it will pass. Ecclesiastes promises this. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says that there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. There are just seasons to life, and we can trust that God has his hand on us. Proverbs 16.9 says, In his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. So God, God is intervening in our lives, and he's available to bring us the grace, the strength, or the comfort we need in that moment. But we have to live in the moment. So if you're a mom, don't wish this moment away, thinking that the next moment will be the fun one, because they just keep flipping. And there are challenges in every season. If, you're, if you have little kids at home and you're thinking, you know, it's going to be awesome when my kids are older and they don't need me anymore. It's, there are parents that have older kids. It's not true. They will probably need you more. You won't have to cut up their hot dogs for them, but you'll be sitting there talking about their day and the things that they faced. Last lie. Lie five. It's all up to me. It's all up to me, uh, the idea that I can, I can do it all on my own, or, or perhaps worse, I have to do it all on my own. You know, there was, there was a phrase that kind of got um, traction uh, in my life recently where, you know, I see it in memes on social media. It's like, you are enough. Now, I get it, but it's not true. You're not enough. That's the truth. The truth is you cannot do this alone. You cannot do it alone. Um, everything that comes out of the Bible, basically, let me summarize it this way. Human beings are made with a God-shaped hole in us. There's a vacancy in us that only God can fill and God's people. And if you're trying to do life, whether you're a mom or you're not, Without God, you're doing it, doing it with, a, with a huge vacuum inside you. And, you know, maybe you've realized that. Is maybe you were kind of clipping along without God, and then you had kids, and then there's nothing like having children to make you realize how inadequate you truly are. In fact, it's, it's very... 
frequent that I will meet young couples that have come to church for the first time here at Sunridge. And I'll say, well, what made you come back to church? Or what, what made you come to church? And you know what they say? I had kids. And it's not just like I want an hour break while someone else watches them. It's much bigger than that. It's like you realize that you have this human life in your hands. And yet, all of these things make us realize even more how inadequate we are without Jesus Christ. There, there are no Lone Ranger Christians. There's no Lone Ranger uh, parents. We need God. And, and, and beyond even just needing God, we need what God says we need, which is our church and, our, and his people and mentors and Sunday school teachers and pastors and husbands and friends and siblings. We're designed to live our faith in community with other believers. We need God and we need God's people. It's one reason Paul writes to Titus and he says that the older women and the older men should be teaching the younger. It's because we need each other. There's an interdependency that human beings are made with. We're not to be independent, we're not to be dependent, but interdependent. The Apostle Paul describes it this way in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27. You are the body of Christ, and each of you is a part of it. And in that passage, Paul describes how all the parts of the body work together to function. We need each other. One of the things I'm so grateful for at Sunridge is the thriving ministry we have to women. We have other ministries, but today we're, we're talking about women. And if you're a mom or a woman, I want you to know, like, we, we're just, we just wrapped up our Mothers of Preschoolers. It's called MOPS, which is a, like a every other Tuesday meeting for moms. And it's, it's, uh, it's very inviting and a, a great place to, for uh, moms to connect. We have Bible studies that have been mentioned. We have groups. We have Girls' Night Out. We have Go Bananas. Uh, which is uh, led by uh, a mom in our church for special needs moms. There's, this, there's so many things that are available to you, but here's, in the end, you have to take the step. If you're a guy or a girl, it's like a church can't force people into engaging. And I, it just, it's a shame when I see people trying to do life alone because we're not meant to do it alone. We need God, and we need one another. And I want you to know, if you're a mom today, you're not alone. There's a place for you at Sunridge to get the strength and the grace and the courage and the information for you to follow Jesus and to be the best mom that you could possibly be. Five lies that are so easy to believe. But it's not true. There is no superwoman. Don't try to be her. Follow Jesus. Give yourself me time. Connect with other people. Don't do life alone. 
fill your soul up and get back in the battle. Let's pray.